Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so great to be here. It was so great to to really finally connect with with Greg and Wendy last night. It feels like, uh, like he said, we are family. We've been, I, I was raised in a little small town called Weaverville, California. And uh, I, I moved back there when I was three years old. My dad was raised in Weaverville. And uh, about three months after we moved back to Weaverville, this guy came in uh, who, who just started leading our, our local church there named Bill Johnson. Have you ever heard of Bill Johnson? Yeah, so Bill Johnson's been my senior uh, pastor my, my whole life, and there's been a ton of connect around that. Bob Johnson was my youth pastor, and I worked with him uh, starting a church in Redding, California, and then moving to the Bay Area and had a ton of fun doing that. I want to say this, though. There is such an inheritance in the room, and uh, Wendy, when you were, you were leading... Uh, I felt the presence of Earl in the room. And I'm like, uh, when I was in university at uh, Bethany College, I can remember a time where, where Earl and Darlene were moving. And so Bob called me up and said, hey, can you get a bunch of guys to help Earl and Darlene move? And I said, sure. And so we went over to Earl and Darlene's house, packed everything up in the U-Hauls, and then got over to the new place and started moving in. And they had movers that were going to move the, the, the piano. And we had already moved everything in, and it was a three-story apartment, and uh, they realized there is no way to get in this grand piano into the house, and so they decided, oh, we're not actually going to move into this house. We're going to move into another apartment. And guess what? All of my buddies disappeared the next day and didn't want to move them again. But I share that I felt the presence of Earl because there is something on a house of worship that starts with someone who taught us that. And on Father's Day, I want to, I want to honor a father who is, is looking down from heaven, who has invested in something in worship that... You know, I know us at Bethel Church, we live in that inheritance. We, we are running with that inheritance. And, and you guys here at Convergence Church are, are doing the same thing. And I, I think it's, it's beautiful, it's incredible and amazing. Amen? And uh, beyond that, it was great to see you uh, make a mistake on your lyrics, Wendy. Yeah, just it's just it's beautiful. We all laugh at them, but you know we do the same thing. We just don't have a microphone on us. Every church service, every Sunday morning, every worship service we come into, we sing the wrong lyrics to a song, and then we just kind of watermelon, watermelon, watermelon <laughs> till you get to the chorus that you do know, right? You know the. So, you know, thanks for making us feel at home and regular. Uh, we were just at a conference in L.A. We do uh, a couple of conferences with Bethel Music called Heaven Come, and it's an amazing time, super fun conference. And we were there, and Sean Foyt was leading worship, and he goes into a prophetic moment, and it was, 
It was one of those spots where you're, you're like, yeah, you're into worship and it's great. And Sean's super enthusiastic and he gets the crowd going in this kind of worship mode. And he's in a prophetic moment and he sings this lyrics. God, may your lips be on my tongue. <laughs> and we all look at each other like, Did, wait, wait a second. Did he say that out loud? What, what was he trying to say? Because I know he was trying to say something. It just didn't come out the way. That's wrong. That's, I wonder if that's on video. Sure enough, it's on video. You can go back and watch it, so you're welcome for that. There's going to be all kinds of memes and that kind of stuff out. But those are the moments where, you know, it's your dream it's your dream to be in front of 7,000 hungry believers who are worshiping God and you're leading them into the presence. May your lips be on my tongue. And that's your moment. No, it was, it was super fun. I make fun of it because Brian Johnson is, uh, Brian and Jen are my wife and I's best friends and, and he just like in that moment does exactly what Wendy did, you know, just laugh at yourself. I mean, God doesn't take it that serious. He, he, he loves us. He sees our heart, and it's so beautiful. And I love this house of worship. Uh, there's an anointing on your worship. The presence of God is in the room, and I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, before I get started, the best introduction I've ever had was by an intern, and I was thinking of it this morning. Uh, she interned for me a couple of years ago. She's from Ireland. I was thinking of it this morning, and as I'm thinking of it, I get a text from her that says, Happy Father's Day. Thank you so much for investing in my life. You've changed my life in such incredible ways. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is a God moment. But she introduced me this way. She said, if you receive Ben... In the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. And, and we all know that, right? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. And you can get a prophet's reward today. Or, she said this, if you receive Ben as a father, then you don't get a reward, you get an inheritance. And, and I want to tell you today, my hope is that you don't just get the gift of a prophet but that you actually get the inheritance of a father. And my hope today is that as we talk through this thing called fatherhood, which is a, a central focus of the kingdom, right? God is our father. It's really important. The kingdom is set up on the structure of family. It's really important. And I, I know I'll probably, Greg's been teaching on fatherhood for a couple of weeks now, and, and I'm sure I'll probably just say his message back, but act for, on my behalf. Act like it's the first time you heard it and be like, oh, amen, that's so revelatory. Oh, this is brilliant. You know, it, it helps me, helps me, you know. It's kind of hard coming in afterwards, and I don't know what he preached, so hopefully it's, it's good. Either way, we're going to have fun together. Can I give out a few prophetic words before we start? Who, who wants a prophetic word? Okay. Prophesy over yourself, and then we'll be good. 
Listen, I'm just telling you this. If you can't prophesy over yourself, if you can't hear the word of the Lord for yourself, there's a problem. We have to be able to prophesy over ourselves. Bill wrote a book called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. What, it, what does that mean? Prophesy over yourself. Like, get in the word. Find out what God says about you. There's all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to prophesy mostly corporately, <clears throat> but in the corporate prophecy, there is an ability for us to grab onto that individually and apply it to our own personal life. There have been so many times, uh, Sean Bolsh was with us uh, a couple of months ago, and he started releasing this prophecy, and he said, this is going to be a house of interpreters. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm the dream interpretation guy. I love dreams. I, I, this is like, this, is, this word's not for Bethel Church. It's for me. And that's what we need to do sometimes when, when God delivers a word, let that be activated in our life and let it bring life to us and let it inspire us to run with things that maybe you didn't know was perfectly directed towards you, but you received it. And it's really a matter of the condition of the soil of our heart on whether or not that word has effect in our life. So... Few things. I was I was sitting here worshiping. I look back and I I see uh, all the different cultures represented here, and I think, wow, this is a this is an international church. This is a multicultural church. This is something of influence, and it actually looks like the kingdom. I think it's beautiful, and I'm reminded of a church in Dubai um, called Gatekeeper's Church, and uh, Ben and Fran Richards, friends of mine, uh, pastor that church in Dubai, and it's such a, a beautiful church, and it's such a dynamic mix of cultures, and they're such influencers, and their church is called Gatekeeper's. I feel like there's something of a gate over you as an individual and over you as a church. You guys are gatekeepers of the kingdom. And there's an anointing on you to usher in a new season of favor and the favor of the Lord on this whole region. And because you're in this place, God is, is about to break out through you the gatekeepers of the kingdom. I shared a little bit with Greg and Wendy last night, but we had a 50-year storm in Reading. That's what this says in the news. I was in Korea, and my wife calls me. Baby, it's snowing, and branches are breaking, and trees are falling over. You need to come home. And like any good husband, I said, no. <laughs> You'll be fine, baby. It's snow. You know, it's just snow. Colorado has it all the time. We just don't get it in that much. But I felt like that storm was really a prophetic word and a declaration over the church and over us as individuals. Here's what, let me just kind of set it up. Redding, California, last winter got a lot more rain than normal. And, and that's a great thing for Redding. It's a great thing for California in the droughts that we've been in for a long time. And so the ground was already saturated. Then it's, it was a, a snow that wasn't quite, you know, the, the soft, fluffy 
light snow. This was a warm, wet, thick snow. And it began to fall, and it fell in so much quantities that the trees around Reading started to break. And, and so many branches or half the tree would break off. So many trees, even big trees, were uprooted. And the power wound up going off in Redding, California for about two weeks. And there was a lot of people in the city. It took over two weeks to get the power restored. There was that much of a deal. And I said, God, what, what are you doing? What's going on? And he said this, you've had an outpouring. You're saturated with the presence, but I'm about to pour out my spirit in a pure, heavy, weighty glory that you've never seen before. And this is a 50-year storm, Jubilee. This outpouring is a great thing, and what's meant to benefit us as the body of Christ can actually hurt us as well if we haven't done something. See, I had two trees on my property, two willow trees about the same size. And when I moved into our property, there was one tree that I had pruned. I made it look perfect and I got all the dead branches off and all the sucker branches and, and it was healthy. And I never got to the other tree. Well, guess what happened? When I got back from that uh, trip, and after the snowstorm, I got home, and the one tree that I pruned lost zero branches. The one tree that I didn't prune, all the unhealthy branches broke, and the weight of that and the snow on the healthy branches broke those branches as well. And that tree was pretty much destroyed. In the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar is symbolized in a dream as a tree. So tree, trees can symbolize leaders. How many leaders do we have in here? Come on, all of you are leaders. Come on, raise your hand. You're all leaders. I believe that this is an invitation to prune our life. And as we prune those things that, you, I'm not even talking about sin. If you have sin in your life, prune that. Let's get rid of that. Come on. Well, I don't have sin in my life. I just have a, a little bit of compromise. What's compromise? It's not that you're sinning. It's that you have conviction that God said, don't do that thing. That's not helping your life. And if we don't, if, if we don't listen to that voice, that's called compromise. And compromise will lead eventually to sin if you don't prune that thing. It's an invitation for the infinite gardener to come into your life and say, hey, you see that little, that, that little bud that's growing off? It's going to grow into a big branch, and one day that's going to be unhealthy for your life. Why don't we just prune that right now? Let me, let me help you with that with just my fingers. But how many of you know the bigger a branch gets, the harsher the tool has to be to prune that branch? Do you want to be pruned by his fingers? Do you want to be pruned by shears? Do you want to be pruned by a chainsaw? Or do you want the whole tree to fall down? And even beyond that, I'm not even talking about compromise. I'm talking about, hey, just good things. I do a bunch of good things. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so busy doing so many good things and, and I'm just overwhelmed and now I'm in burnout phase and I can't carry what God has for me because I'm doing too much stuff. And it may be good stuff, but did God ask you to do that? Is that God's purpose for your life? And in this season, I think there's an invitation for all of us 
to say, what can I prune so that, not so that I don't produce fruit, but that I produce lasting fruit. I produce healthy fruit. And anytime God uh, a, begins to promote us through an outpouring of his favor and his blessing, it's always an invitation to prune things in our life so that we can sustain what God has for us. And I believe there's about to be a jubilee outpouring of God's spirit that ushers us into a season of favor and blessing that we haven't seen before. A couple of years ago, uh, Judson Franklin was at Jesus Culture, and he was, he was releasing a word, and I felt it specifically for this church, uh, and he released this word called the seventh hand. And the message was all around a couple of scriptures in the Bible, one in, in 1 Kings where um, you, you remember uh, Elijah, he's in, in the cave, he comes out, he's praying and he prostrates himself before the Lord up on this mountaintop and he's praying and praying and he sends out his servant, hey, go out and check and see, look at the sky. And he prays and prays and prays again and he does it six times. Six times. And we were talking a little bit together at dinner about uh, a, a $6 million breakthrough that the church had in, in getting a property, and then God doubled that in this exponential favor that's been on your life and the double portion anointing. But I believe this is a season where after the sixth time, the seventh time he goes back and he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand, and it breaks the drought. And I believe there's an anointing for the seventh hand on this church that it will be the hand of the Lord, the hand of favor over this region, and we're, we're about to see an outpouring of God's presence that starts from here, and it flows out to the nations. Really, this is, this is a strategic region. Silicon Valley is a strategic reason, region. We have the dot-com where everything exploded. We have the dot-bomb, you know, where everything imploded. But listen, God is raising up something new to influence the globe through this region, and it's going to start with people who were on their knees in prayer, Converges house of prayer. Uh, wait a second, there, there might be a correlation there. There might be a correlation towards your intercession and God pouring out his spirit in a way we've never seen before. And I believe the culmination of years of prayer is about to hit, and we're about to, we're about to see things we've never seen before. And, and for you guys, I, I want to celebrate... I celebrate you because you pursued the presence for a long time. You're experiencing the presence. You experience signs and wonders, miracles, prophecy, all the different things, and you're experiencing it on a regular basis, but you haven't even tasted really what God wants to do. It's so far beyond, and I'm so excited about it. I believe there's a John chapter 21 anointing that is falling on this house where in John chapter 21, Peter calls the disciples and says, hey, guys, let's go fishing again. Jesus has died. There's two stories of great catch of fish. This is the second one. 
This is after the death of Jesus. And they're going back and they're doing the stuff that they were doing before Jesus, right? The every day, day to day, these guys are fishermen. They've been fishing all night and some Yahoo from the shore, they don't know who it is. They don't know it's Jesus. They just hear a voice. Hey, guys, have you caught anything? They're like, nope, nothing. And the guy says, cast your nets on the other side. Just do it again. I would be like, yeah, no, we've been fishing all night. We're professionals. We've done this for our whole life. Don't worry about it. We got this. You know, there's no fish here in this lake. We fished every spot, all the hot spots, all the sweet spots, all the honey holes. We've been through all of them, and there's nothing here. But there was something that compelled them to throw their nets off. It's called the voice. Those who are intimate with the voice, and the intimacy comes from intercession. When we spend time in the presence, it comes from worship. You guys are intimate with God, and you may not recognize it's God, but you'll recognize the voice. You may not be able to see with your eyes, yes, that's definitely God, but you're going to hear something. And you're going to cast your nets on the other side. What are you doing? You've been doing something on a regular basis, day after day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You've been faithful to do this stuff. And you still, you've reaped some. You've caught some fish. But they began to haul in the nets. There's a few things that that scripture says. It says, and the nets did not break. The first story, it said the nets began to break. And it says it was so heavy, they couldn't actually get in the boat. They come to shore and they catch not just a bunch of fish, not just any fish, 153 large fish. The big fish. This is a big fish season for you. God's about to, dominoes are about to fall and you're about to catch big fish big fish called the influencers of influencers are now going to be touched in such a way that it influences everyone else. And God, this is a big fish season for this house. John chapter 21 is a big deal. Two things from that story that are really important. The nets didn't break. What's that speak of? Connections. We have to shore up our connections. We have to make sure we're really tight with one another, that we are healthy family. See, the same pressure that broke the nets in the first place is the same pressure that didn't break the nets but strengthened the knot. See, pressure on a knot can either strengthen a knot if that net is healthy, but if it's dried out and cracked and we've got severed relationships, all of a sudden pressure on that will cause it to snap. And we lose what God wants to pour out for us. So connections are going to be a big deal in this season. And not just that, the boat's not big enough. You're already close to capacity in here. 
We can add a few more chairs up front. We can add a few more chairs in the, in the back, but that's not the season we're in. We're in a season of exponential growth. We're in a season of the double portion anointing. Not just that, I believe there's a triple portion anointing coming, to, not to the power of two, but to the power of three. An exponential increase is coming to this house. And, it, and, and really, we may have to relook at our, our structures the structures that contain the outpouring, right? We have to revisit those things. And I, I just see exponential growth. I can feel it. And I, I told uh, Greg and Wendy last night, I can almost smell rain. I can, it's like, you know, that wind that brings in that and you smell it before it actually starts to fall. That's the season you're in right now. I smell the storm coming of God's presence. I smell that outpouring coming, and it's going to be so beautiful. And I know I'm taking a while on this, but this feels really important, and, and I want to inspire us because this is not just, God doesn't just do it for a corporate body. He wants to do it for individuals. So this is a prophetic word for your family. This is a prophetic word for your personal life. I was drawing out plans for remodeling my house. I got a, a, new, a new old house. You know those? Yeah, I got a new old house uh, two years ago, and it's a great house. And I, I was trained as a general building contractor. My dad was a contractor as well. And so I learned a lot of stuff at a young age, and I can draw my own plans. I, I took architecture in school, and, and uh, I, I can draw my own plans, and I can build my own house, but it's not always you know, matching in my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> right? You, ha you have all the skills, but you have too many bills. And it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, I'm going to, I felt the, the push from God. What had happened was someone came to me. Uh, I had met with our intercessors, and, and we went to the intercessors, and I gave them this whole word, and we had a, a great time about a new season of what God's doing, and they gave me a bunch of cards. And they were really nice cards. You know what I'm talking about? You know, they had prophetic words in them plus something else. You know, you ever grab your card and just check? If it's a little thicker? I'm talking about money. Yeah, and this, these were these cards. So there was a bunch of cards, and it was, it was pretty awesome. And I'm like, oh, I'm excited about this. There's, there's money in these. There were a bunch of different denominations. And once I was done counting it all, it was $365. And God declared, I'm releasing 365 blessing. And this is going to be your new normal for the rest of your life, provision for every day. That's kingdom. That's biblical. But I feel like that's the season you're in. The next day, a guy comes to me. He says, I'm on the facilities team, and I went to clean your office the other night, and I walked in your office at night, and there was an angel standing in your office. I'm like, that's awesome. He says, yeah, he punched me in the stomach. I said, he must have been a guardian angel. Maybe you shouldn't have been in my office. He said, no, he punched me in the stomach, and he says, I'm the angel of blessing, and I'm here to bless Ben Armstrong and his family. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this, 
Okay, so some 365 blessing. Now I got this angel thing. And I'm like, oh, this is, this, is, this is really cool. And then another thing happened, and it was these three different things. I go to Korea, and uh, I'm preaching. And at the last night I, I, that we were with them, I, I declare, I want to I wanna do, uh, do you guys know what a fire tunnel is? Yeah, I want to do a fire tunnel, but this is, this is going to be a, like an impartation tunnel where uh, I'm going to release the triple blessing. And my name's Benjamin Joseph Armstrong. My na- that's my name. It means Benjamin, son of my right hand. That's the double portion. Joseph means God will add. That's triple blessing. And I'm like, I want to release a blessing, uh, a triple portion anointing. I feel like it's the season. A lady, little old lady in the crowd at this, this conference that I'm speaking at jumps up and takes the mic from me. Well, you know, you respect your elders. So, you know, she took it and she's like, oh my goodness, I need to tell you. Um, uh, the other day I was like, just praying, and God said, give Ben Armstrong $1,000. And I'm like, okay, this was not my intent. I'm going to pray for you guys. Please, this is kind of embarrassing. Please don't. She's, doesn't, she's just ignoring me. And she said, yeah. I said, well, is that, the, is that God or is that the devil? I mean, how many of you ever done that? You hear, give someone something, you're like, shut up, Satan. I know your voice. You're just trying to give me to give away good stuff. And I know that's kind of our life. And, and so that was the moment. And, 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 and she says, I prayed. And then a friend of mine came. And we're up in the mountains in Korea. There's no bank next to there. And she said, the lady now says, I, I was supposed to give you $1,000, but I only have $1,000 in my bank account. And I'm like, no, this is the widow's might. This feels really super awkward now. This is, I, I feel this is embarrassing. And now there's this embarrassing moment, and she says, I tell my friend, hey, um, can I borrow some money from you? And the friend says, well, my, hu- my, my husband gave me $2,000 to give in the offering. And the lady says, it's too late. We already took the offering, but God told me to give Ben $1,000, and I can't get to the bank. Can I have your, one of those thousands to give to her? She says, no. But if you give him the other $1,000, I'll give you $1,000, and you can give him the money, and I want, you, you don't have to pay it back. So now she hands me an envelope full of $2,000. I'm like, double portion. That's amazing. Another little old lady on the, car, uh, on the uh, front row, she comes up, takes the mic, and said, God told me this morning to give you $1,000. And I went to our pastor, and I said, hey, Dr. Hong, is, is, uh, is it, do you think it's God to give Ben $1,000? I think you heard God. She, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so she gives me $1,000, $3,000, triple blessing. They all get around me and pray over me, all this incredible things, a breakthrough and all this stuff, and I'm supposed to be praying for them. This is embarrassing favor, and you're about to step into embarrassing favor. Not just that, that happened, and now a guy get, grabs the mic and begins to prophesy over me, and he says, this is like Jacob's ladder. Uh, there's a thousand dollars is is one side of the ladder, a thousand dollars another side of the ladder, and the other thousand uh, dollars is a rung of the ladder. And God's te- taking you into another realm of blessing, and I want to give you three thousand dollars. That's six thousand dollars. 
And I, I mean, it, I was so embarrassed. This wasn't my intent, and I was crazy what was happening. But I wrote down, I had drawn out a vision for our house, and I believe God said to me, there's provision for the vision, but if you don't write it down, if you don't write the vision down plainly right now, what's going to happen is this. God's going to hold on to that for you because he's a good steward. He's going to wait till you've written down the vision. Well, I had drawn out the plants in my house, and they're saying, this is provision for the vision. We're, we're, we're investing in you. I, I left that place. I'm going down the mountain into Seoul, Korea with my daughter, and, um, and we get to the hotel room, and they hand us the hotel key, and it's the code to my bank account. I'm not going to tell you what number that was. <laughs> But I feel like there's some embarrassing favor coming towards you. The triple blessing anointing is coming on you. And here's what's crazy. God said this. I'm about to pour out blessing on you. And the first thing I thought of is like, okay, I've got to have a plan for God's house. I've got to figure out all this stuff because it's not for me. It's, it's for the body of Christ. You know, it's all about, and God says, what's your number one ministry? I said, my family. He says, start with your family. Start dreaming for your family. Write down the vision for your family first, and it'll flow out of there. And I want to make you a blessing, but I want to make your whole family a blessing. And God wants to make this house a blessing. And he wants to, to bless your family. It's going to start in your home, in your individual home, and it's going to flow from there. Okay, this, I took too much time with that, but I feel like that's super important. I'm going to take the next 15 minutes, and I'm going to speak to you on fatherhood. It's one of my favorite subject matters. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and I'm going to blaze through this, and you can look, at it, look them up. I, I was reading this scripture a couple of years ago, and it, it leapt out on me because of the language it uses. It says, Paul says this, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. And I heard that language, and it says that a father deals with each of his kids this way. They encourage them. One of our number one roles as fathers and mothers is to be an encouragement to our children. And on Father's Day, I want to declare that we should be an encouraging body. You're an apostolic church. What does that mean? You guys are going to be fathers to others, and we have to be an encouragement to them. We also need to be comforting. In those times of pain, we comfort, we don't take away the pain. Some of us try to father in the way of, oh, I'm just trying to, we do pain avoidance. And then our children never learn that they're powerful. And we urge them to live a life worthy of God. You Notice the unique language here. It's the same language used in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, when it talks about prophecy. Now, I'm the prophetic ministries director, so some of this is going to have a correlation with prophecy. It's my life. It's what I love. It's a passion of mine. 
But at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. It's the same language when it talks about prophecy as when it talks about fathers and mothers. It is so vitally important. See, it, our job in prophecy, our job as fathers and mothers is not to tell our children what to do, but to inspire them into who they are. We're supposed to inspire our children. We're supposed to encourage them about what God has said over their life. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says this, and I love the language uh, in the NIV. He says, Timothy, my son. Do you hear the language of a father there? Timothy, my son, I give you instructions in keeping with the prophetic words once made over your life so that with those you'd fight the good fight, keeping the faith and a clean conscience or a clear conscience. I love that scripture. Why do I love it? It's because this. There's two things that are the weapon. It's not just your prophetic words that are weapons in your life. It's the words of a father to a son, direction, sometimes corrections, instructions, sometimes that happens. But direction and correction comes from moms and dads in your life who believe in your prophetic destiny. How many of you have had people try and tell you what to do, but they have zero investment in your life? They don't know your prophetic destiny. They don't know what God has spoken over you. They just want to control you. Good fathers and mothers, they give you instructions based on the prophetic destiny in your life. It's so important that we would, we would inspire our children, that we would inspire a generation, that we would inspire our friends, our family, everywhere we go, that we would operate as fathers and mothers. What does that mean? You take ownership for an environment. You don't leave trash on your home floor, right? If you do, you might be a, a young child who is in a learning process. You might leave that on the floor, but moms and dads are always cleaning the house. They're keeping it nice. Why? Because they have ownership. They care for the house. How big is your house? How big is our house? How big is our influence? See, when we start taking ownership outside of our house, now God gives us more influence. I go to Home Depot, and the hard thing is, when you go to Home Depot, someone left trash in the next shopping cart. And I hate it every time it happens to me. There's trash in there, and I see it. And the moment I see it, I know now I'm responsible for it. It's so frustrating. I'm cleaning up someone else's mess. That's ownership there. Do you care about your city? Do you care about the Home Depot? Do you care about, you know, whatever? I'm, I'm not plugging Home Depot. You know, I'm just saying, like, Lowe's is a lot cleaner. Um, And, and as we train and as we're doing these things and as we're be, being mothers and fathers, we're training our children up to be the next generation of mothers and fathers. And the next generation, if you wait 
till you actually have babies to be a mom or dad, you're going to, uh, I can't say that word, you're going to stink at that. You're not going to be very good at it. It was never intended for you to wait till you have kids to actually operate as a mother and father. You should be practicing all the time. When my son was going to elementary school and my two daughters, uh, Kira and Madison, got old enough for school, my son would run in, and I, I can remember first day of school with all three of them going to the same school. My son, backpack on, runs up to the door, opens the door, goes through the door, shuts the, the door shuts on his sisters. I'm like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity. So later that day, I said, hey, son, you know, remember this? Yeah, it's, it's your job to actually care for your sisters. Well, they can open the door. It's not about whether they can or not. It's about honor. Next day, I watch. There he goes, opens the door for his sisters. The sisters go through. He runs through and drops the door on four, four or five other girls. I'm like, okay, okay, we're getting there, right? We're getting there. Sometimes we expect perfection rather than training our children in that way. So the next day I talk to him, I'm like, we do that for every girl, son. So now he opens the door, and then now fast forward, he's 20 years old. If he sees a little old lady 100 yards ahead about to get to a door, he is going to sprint as fast as he can to make sure to open the door for that lady. Why? Because there's something built inside of him that he practiced being a father before he was ever a father. He practiced doing this stuff of stewarding, being a husband, trading girls right before that happened. And we can practice these things. It's, it's so important. I, I can remember uh, at a young age, my kids, you know, they love to, kids love to climb. They love to go on jungle gyms and, and do all this stuff. And Connor and Kira and Maddie are climbing. And, and you know, Madison's young. And she gets to the top where, where brother and sister got up there. And then that's where panic sets in. Because when you have a goal like this, it's easy to get up there. But when you can't see the ground, you, you start to panic. And she's freaking out. Dad, Dad, save me. Dad, get me down. Help me, help me. I'm like, baby, you can do it. No, Dad, seriously, seriously, you need to help me. And, and No, baby, I know you can do this. Put your foot down, just straight down. No, no, Dad, I can't see. I don't feel anything. Just straight down, straight down. You can do this. And I coach them all the way to down while they're crying. And Heather's like, just help them down, my wife. She's like, just, just help them. Just like, no, baby, shh. It's the one time you can shush your wife. Shh. I'm in a dad moment here. I'm in a father moment. I believe in you. You can do this. Come on. I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you. I, you can do it. I, I believe in you. Just, just trust. I can see what you can't see. And sometimes with our Heavenly Father, we're the same way. I can't see. Just save me. Take me out of this. No, you can do this. I believe in you. You can do it. Meanwhile, we're crying and weeping. And then you get down from there and you're like, man, I'm awesome. That was, look what I did. And God's like, yeah. 
But that's how it is sometimes. That's how it is with our life. And, and my, my child would get to the, the bottom and they're like, you're the worst dad in the world. I can't believe you did that to me. I'm like, you made it. I told you you could do it. Yeah, well, well. And that's just, you know, that's what a father does. They, they actually promote their children. They believe in them. They give them breadcrumbs. They don't tell them the whole story. They don't, like, walk them. And sometimes I've been bad at this. I'll be honest. My kids sometimes say this. Yeah, when we ask for help from our dad to, to learn something new, we're like, Dad, can you help us with that? And I'm more like, sure. But I kind of take over because I love building things. I'm a builder, and I like, and they're like, Dad, Dad, uh, can I do that? That's my science project. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. They're reminding me what a dad really is. They're reminding me of those seasons and what, what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to teach them and then let that. I, I, I can be an example, but I can't do it all for themselves. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ Jesus, you, you don't have very many fathers. What's the difference? Between guardians and fathers, guardians want to tell you what to do. They're the babysitter that knows the rules and sticks to the rules, right? They're, they're the, the police officers. Listen, we already have police officers. We don't need you to police the church. We need you to be mothers and fathers who care about those people that you're encouraging to walk in a certain direction. But until you've invested something in their relational bank, until you've got credit in their life, until you've actually, it cost you something to invest in them, then you're probably just speaking that way as a guardian. And that was the bad part of the prophetic for a long time. We thought Jesus is just going to tell me what to do and, and, and God wants to expose my sin in front of everyone. No, love covers a multitude of sin. God does not want to expose that. See, a good father actually inspires their children. Come on, you can do this. Come on, you can do this. I'm going to teach you how. So years ago, Connor uh, clogged the toilet. My oldest son, he's a firefighter now. He's learned. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I taught him, like, here's what you do. You plunge. And then you flush the toilet, and, and that's how you unclog the toilet. So he goes to get a plunger, unbeknownst to me, and he plunges, but the water level is still at the very top of the toilet, and then he flushes again. <laughs> well, see, you, yeah, you know. <laughs> Experience. And he's like, Dad! Dad, the toilet's overflowing! And there's a mess, and it's just like... And I start yelling at my son, you know, because he's, he's made a mess. <laughs> Go get towels. Jeez, why were you just standing there looking at it? Come on. What do you, you know better than this. And God said, just really gently, like a two by four over my head. <laughs> ben, this is your fault. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you told them two things, but you didn't tell them the water needs to be down. So until you train it, you can't expect it. This is your mess. Oh. 
And sometimes as fathers, that's what we do. Sometimes, you know, in the church, that's what we do. Sometimes, you know, that's what we learn from coaches and, 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 and leaders in our life. It's like they expect perfection, but they never taught us how to do it. We need to be mothers and fathers who actually teach them how to do it, walk them through the steps, and then expect greatness. Give them instructions along the way to encourage them into their destiny because everyone's going to have to unclog a toilet someday. And that's not even, you know, maybe a real toilet. Maybe it's the metaphor of your own life. If we can't be transparent as mothers and fathers, we're going to be in big trouble. Transparency, not just transparency, because I could tell my kids and let them see my whole life and ruin their life. But I have to be vulnerable. I have to be real. I have to go back to Connor and say, Connor, that was dad's fault. I made a mess. Will you forgive me? And asking forgiveness and changing your ways is one of the most important tools a mother and father can give to their children. Because you're ne- how many of you know, like, yeah, I can read all the Danny Silk books I want on loving on purpose and loving whatever way or whatever, but he wrote that book for his kids. And my kids are not his kids, and they're different. Each kid is unique, and it's like the principles work, but the, the, the actual way it manifests in a life, you're going to have to be creative on that, and you're not going to get it right the first time. And God wants you to, to, to be inspired to get things right, but he's not looking for perfection every like like the first time i'm a prophetic guy so i can see the future one of the biggest problems in my life is has been i see the future and i get frustrated with people who aren't living to where i see them and we can do the same with our kids because we have a prophetic insight into their life we live with them we love them And what I try and do with them is I'd have the biggest blessing in my life was being a revival group pastor for seven years. And for seven years, I had to deal with people's messes. And at first, all I did was like, hey, come on in my office. We'll be in there five minutes. I'll tell them their problem. I'll tell them how to fix their problem. And I'll tell them their future. And it was like, high five, God, I just look awesome. That was so amazing. Except when... They try and walk it out themselves. And they try and walk it out, and when anything hard comes, they run away from it because why? Because it was what Ben said, it's not what they chose. And if we don't allow our children to have choices in a matter, if we just tell them what to do, we just tell them the future, then we're not empowering them the way God wants to empower them. See, God wants to be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. In Revelation, it says it's written on his thighs. Not the King of Weaklings, the Lord of Losers. He believes you and I are great. So he actually lets us sit in our process. That's sometimes painful for him. Sometimes painful for me as a father to watch my children go through a process, but I know I can't 
I can't go in there and just control and start trying to fix. See, fear drives me to control. If I'm afraid of, my, of what happens to my child, if I let my mind wander to a, a negative prophetic destiny over their life, if I don't actually put the lens of what God spoke over them, then I will definitely tend towards control. And what God wants to release a breakthrough in our life. That we no longer try and control things, but we get to inspire. We get to speak into people's life. You know, you may not be a father or a mother in someone's life. Maybe you're a friend, but you actually can take the role of a father and mother in different moments to be an encourager. One of the biggest commodities that we can ever have or give to our children is your time. Now, God is infinite, and as a heavenly father, he can be everywhere at all times with everyone. It's pretty incredible. He's not limited by time. But our life goes super fast. And besides love, I think the most important thing we can give to our children is time. And, and fathers, listen, the, the devil is going to try and distract you and keep you from time spent with your children. I've purposed in, in my life to make sure I'm gonna start earlier at work and I'm gonna be done earlier so I can be present for my kids. I travel all over the world and I could be gone almost every, every day of the month, but I purpose I'm only gonna travel once a month and for the most part, nothing over seven days. Why? Because I want to be present for my children while they're in my home. There's some structures we can set up. There's some things that we can prioritize, and it's time to prioritize the investment in the next generation. It's time to believe in them, to believe in the prophetic destinies over their life. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray over us. couple of questions to God. Do we know what God says about our children? Have you asked God, God, how do you see my child? God, how do you see that person across from me? Because that's the lens we hold up in our interactions with one another. this in Malachi the end of the Old Testament there's a scripture in the last days I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah or the, the spirit of the prophet Elijah and he will return the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the father see That's a new declaration, an Old Testament prophet in a New Testament expression of being a father. And God is releasing something to restore 
children to their fathers and fathers to their children. I didn't have a perfect dad. Doesn't matter. You have a perfect dad. Don't superimpose your image of your dad over that. How many of you in the room have a son or daughter who is away from the Lord and you need breakthrough? Good. Look around. Leave your hand up. If you're next to one of these, lay your hands on them. I want you to pray over them. God is all about restoring. Well, well, Ben, you, you may say, Ben, you don't, you don't know the situation. I blew it here. I blew it there. There's so many mistakes I did in the way I parented my children. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. God is going to restore. God, you, will you come right now? And we declare restoration. We declare breakthrough. We declare that you would come in and do what only you can do. God, where it was impossible, Scripture says you make a way where there is no way. We don't have to figure it out. God, would your zeal accomplish this? God, would you set them up? Would you put people in their path to actually run up against them? And would you allow your kindness to lead them to repentance? God, would you just chase them down with your goodness? God, we pray for dreams and visions even in the night season, that they would have dreams and visions of you pursuing them. God, you would touch their hearts in incredible ways. We declare today is a day of breakthrough. And for many of you in this room, within the next week, you're going to actually hear from them and you're going to get testimonies of breakthrough. We declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I could talk all day, but that wouldn't be good because you got to spend time with your dad and I've got to catch a flight to go be home with my family for Father's Day. But I, I'm... It's been such a privilege being with you even for a short amount of time. And I believe God is setting some things up. And I know we'll see each other again in the future and spend time with one another. And I believe God is doing an incredible work here. So thank you so much for having me and bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, Please subscribe and thank you for listening.